going to start with some questions, actually, around Christmas. And um, I'm going to decide who I think is actually the most into Christmas. And I'm actually going to give you my chocolate Santa lolly. Um, so I want to know who is the most Christmassy in the house today. So who has started preparing for Christmas? I want to see a hand up. Wow, I mean, that was keen bean. All right, let's, let's whittle it down a bit more. Who has at least one Christmas decoration up in their house? Guys, you are on it. I'm just going to include myself in this as well. Uh, who has watched a Christmas film? Oh, there's so many of you, I can't decide. Uh, who has ordered your turkey? Wait, genuine, has someone ordered their turkey? Yeah! All right, are you all the winners? Um, my last question, who has brought a Christmas gift already? Oh, okay, this beautiful woman here who's ordered her turkey and has bought a Christmas gift already. You get my chocolate Santa. There you go. Well done. Well done. Well done. Guys, you need to get ordering your turkeys. You don't want to miss out on the turkeys. Not that I know when you should order a turkey. Um, so much joy in the house today. Oh, yeah, I've lost. And bring it back in. There we go. Do I need like a clap to what you do like in school? No, let's not start. No, because you'll keep going forever. Um, so preparing for Christmas. It is the 1st of December today. Woo woo. I'm really excited. I feel just really like jazzy today and excited. So I'm going to try and like be focused and, uh, on, what, on what I think Jesus wants to say. Uh, but I want to share with you what I think my favorite part of preparing for Christmas is, and uh, Liam has come to learn this, having done, how many Christmases have we done together now? Two? Thanks, Mum. <laughs> two. <laughs> I don't know, two or three, they start blurring now. Um, so we've done two Christmases together, and uh, my favourite part of preparing for Christmas, I don't know about you, uh, my absolute favourite moment is when we get to go and choose the Christmas tree, real real Christmas tree, real Christmas trees in the house, let me hear you, yep, come on, um, real Christmas tree, and we go to the Christmas tree farm, anyone know the Christmas tree farm, near St. Peter's Hospital, yep, near there, yeah, come on, um, that's where it's at, that is my favorite part, when we get to go and choose the Christmas tree from the Christmas tree farm, I don't know what it is, I'm going to try and maybe explain it, I think why I like it so much is if any of you have gone and done this and, and chosen your Christmas tree, especially at the Christmas tree farm, uh, mainly, I'm just going to let you all know, way better prices than if you go to a, a garden centre or anything like that. So if you want reasonable priced Christmas trees, definitely go there. But also you arrive there and everyone is happy. Everyone's like, hey, hey, let me help you. Or you hold a Christmas tree up and like, my husband's maybe lost interest a little bit. And like the random stranger will go, yeah, I think that one's really well shaped. Like it's got good amount of, you know, it's, there's no gaps. And you like walk around it. You're like, yep, every angle, good, good, good. Even though it's going to sit in a corner and you're not going to see every angle. But all of it has to look good when you buy it. 
and you're all there and everyone's helping each other out and they're like walking down the aisles and and strangers are smiling at one another hey isn't that uncommon in England and you walk down the street and strangers are smiling at one another and interacting and having jokes and they're all having a good time together and there's just this genuinely excited happy joyful um Christmassy vibe, spirit, vibe, spirit, whatever, either one of those works. And everyone's there for the same mission. And when they find their tree, oh, the excitement when you're like, yes, this is the one. We found the one and it's perfect and I can't wait to find it. And everyone's just like loves that moment when it happens and they find it. And all the families are there, you know, and no one, no one feels like dragged along like Men are enjoying it, like they're, they're, you know, they get to carry the Christmas tree. They've got their gloves on. They, you know, they can do their manly bit, and they can get it in the car and strap it on the roof. And everyone's there, and the kids are there, and it's just a great vibe. And I love it because everyone's just enjoying being part of doing the same thing. And there's this, there's this common mission. They're like, we've got to find our Christmas tree. This is an important part for us for preparing for Christmas. Now. You might have your own favorite parts of, of preparing for Christmas. Maybe for some of you it is getting the turkey super early, shout out. Maybe it is buying the gifts for people or, you know, there are so many different things we do to prepare for Christmas. But I really want to invite us as a Flow family, starting from today, 1st of December, leading up to our carol services on the 22nd of December, I want to invite us onto a common mission together to prepare for this Christmas carol service, two Christmas carol services. I want to invite us onto a common mission together where we can have some fun along the way together, where we can encourage one another, where we can joke together, where we all get involved, where we're not begrudgingly doing it because we've been told to or asked to, but we've genuinely entered into the spirit of this mission that we're going to go on together and we're going to have fun doing it and we're going to bring the joy doing it, but we're all going to get stuck in. No one's going to be left out. No one's going to be sitting on the sidelines. We're all going to go on this mission together. And this morning in this Christmas season, as we lead up to our Christmas carol services, I want to invite you as a flow family onto the mission of preparing the way. And that is the name of our Christmas series. And it was last year. And we chose this same theme for Easter as well, because we genuinely believed in the impact that these seasons can make on people. We genuinely believe these can hold and be a significant time for people in our worlds to hear and receive Jesus into their lives. And I want to say to us this morning, and it's the title of my preach, and I want you to take it away, and I want you to run with it as one of your ways that you're preparing for Christmas, is that we are the way preparers. Why don't you say that back to me? We are the way preparers. Come on, say it's a bit more gusto. There's a lot of you in this room. Go again. Come on, there's like a, yeah, we are the way preparers. We are the way preparers. And there's, there's, a, there's a beauty, I think, to this, this theme of preparing the way. You see, in, in, in this season, we, we can prepare the way in so many different ways for Christmas and 
and, you know, it can get busy and there's a lot of preparing to do. But I want to encourage us onto a common mission together that we can all join in on, where we can all encourage each other. And that is preparing the way. And we're saying to do that through inviting people to these carol services. You see, the Christmas story, when, when you read all the different elements of it, it's a collection of moments and people that prepare the way for the Savior to enter the world. It's not some just cute, nice tale. The Christmas story, if you think about all the elements of it, and we get so used to it, don't we? we you know, you see it in nativities, or you watch like a cartoon version of it, or you watch five-year-olds like trying to be a Mary, and it's hilarious because they throw the baby out of the crib or whatever. And, and, it, and it becomes this notion that we're kind of used to, and, it, and it's almost like, not that it's downplayed, but we, I think we sometimes forget the significance of what is held in the story of Christ coming to earth. You see, the Christmas story is full of wonder and acts of obedience and acts of humility and the miraculous. There's so much miraculous that goes on in the Christmas story. And I want to call you today, as we go on this mission to be the way preparers, to prepare the way for people, to, to invite them to our Christmas carol services, I want to lift your expectations higher as you go on this mission. I want to lift your expectations higher. That this is not just about uh, a normal, just handing out an invite. This, this is not just about, I'm going to see how many I can get to. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to pin it up on a notice board at work and hope maybe someone comes. Which is all fine, but I want to raise your expectations higher. Because I think there's more for us than that. I don't think that, that that's the, the, the limit of what we can expect when we're doing this. You see, the Christmas story and all the elements of it hold that wonder. They hold acts of obedience. They hold acts of humility. They hold the miraculous. The Christmas story has these mysterious, divine interruptions in the everyday lives of normal human beings. He didn't divinely interrupt into a king who was already on the throne. God came and divinely interrupted just normal people. Everyday moments like you and I live, Monday to Friday and Saturday <laughs> and Sunday, every day of the week, seven days. He can come and divinely interrupt everyday normal moments. So please, I don't want you to do this if you're not going to have a high expectation of what's going to happen when you do this. Because I want you to, to go on this mission, to prepare the way for people, thinking and expecting that when you spark a conversation about these Christmas carol services, that the divine is going to interrupt that conversation. And it's going to cause a moment of wonder. It's going to cause a moment of the miraculous. Why can't it happen? Why can't it happen? I think we've got so used to to Christmas events being these, you know, it's just, it's quite a cultural thing to do in England, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a thing people go to and, and it's, 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 it's a tradition. 
it, it, it's gone out of tradition. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's why we do these bigger events, because we know that we can get people in. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, if we get people in, they'll hear about Jesus and they'll accept him as their Lord and Savior. But I don't want us to have that attitude. I don't want us to approach preparing the way for people for this Christmas carol services as a tradition or, or a religious duty. I want us to think that as we take a leaflet, that leaflet could signal that a divine interaction is about to take place for us. A divine interaction is about to take place for that person that we're going to invite and prepare the way for. I want to call us to higher expectations of when we go on this mission together. We are the way preparers. We are the way preparers. No one else is going to do that in the people's lives around you. Everyone can do all the different things to prepare for Christmas. But only you who know Jesus can prepare the way for those who don't. If we don't, who will? It's something like, like Darren, who, who, who was a guest speaker here last week, really stuck with me. He's like, who's going to tell the people if I don't? Who? Who's going to prepare the way for someone to encounter Jesus into their world if we don't do it? If we don't think my preparing the way is going to lead to Jesus Christ entering that person's world as their saviour. If I think that my preparing the way is going to change someone's life, how would you do it if you knew that you're preparing the way, you're stepping out, your acts of obedience, you're you know, taking that, that step and having that conversation, inviting that person, praying with that person. How would your attitude, your effort, your time change if you knew when they came to the carol services that they were going to give their life to Jesus? If you knew that that's what it was going to end in? That's the expectation I want us to have, Flow family. This invite is not so that we can fill this hall and have a nice Christmas event. It's not why we do it. I never want to do anything just to have a nice event. We do this because we truly believe that in this season, that the miraculous can intervene. Christmas is Christmas story, what it's based around the story of Jesus coming to earth. It's the moment when our saviour arrived in his rescue mission for humanity. It's the moment when he said, I love these people. I'm going to come in my humility, but also my full authority. I'm going to divinely intervene in this world. What if we approached this thinking, expecting that every person you prepare the way for is going to receive Jesus into their world as their saviour this season. How would we be different about it? Maybe it's that friend you've been praying for. That mum, your dad, a cousin, a colleague. What if? What if? You stepping out and preparing the way for them this season ends in Jesus entering their world as their saviour. That's the expectation I want us to have with this. When we talk about being the way preparers, 
I want us to take it and do it as a mission together. Encourage one another on this. Challenge one another. Say, hey, how have you, how have you stepped out this week with inviting to the carol service? What conversations have you had? That's why we do it as a family. That's why a family goes to choose a Christmas tree so they can all help out, so they can all offer advice, so they can all offer encouragement, so they can all lend a hand. That is what we are going to go on over these next few weeks leading up to our carol services. We are going to go on a mission together, and I'm inviting all of you to join in, to prepare the way for those in our world who don't know Jesus so that maybe, just maybe, they will accept him as their Lord and Savior, and they will come to know him and know the freedom and the wholeness that we now know because we know him. So do you understand the theme? (laughs) Do you get why we're saying prepare the way? Yes. Have you captured it? Do you understand the mission we're going to go on? Yes. Can I get a few more than two yeses? Yes. Yes. Sarah gets it. Hand in the hair. Hand in the hair? No. Air. Hand in the hair. I get it. I don't know what that was. (laughs) Brain break for me and you. So over the next three Sundays, uh, we're actually going to look at two people who I don't think usually get looked at in the Christmas story. Um, And those are the stories of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And um, I actually love these two people because um, they they are the parents of, of John. And they are the parents of the man who was commissioned to prepare the way for Jesus. And that's actually where this whole thing come from, came from. This time last year, I, or this time last year, and a couple months ago, I sat down to think about what's our Christmas theme going to be? Because I don't know about you, but you can kind of get used to it. Sometimes can feel a bit the same. You're like, yeah, 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 I know it. And I was reading, and I remember praying, and, and God led me to Mark. And I was like, are you serious? Like, Mark doesn't cover any of the Christmas story. He literally starts with John the Baptist as an adult and then goes into Jesus' adult life. And I was like, come on, God. (laughs) You know the Bible better than I do. You know there's not a Christmas story in Mark. Why are you taking me here? And I remember just reading it, and I was like, well, I'll read it, because, you know, God usually knows best. And um, I remember reading about John the Baptist, and those three words just captured my heart and it it spoke about John came to prepare the way prepare the way for Jesus to enter into the world prepare the way for Jesus to enter into people's lives and I was like that's us for this season we can be the way preparers so I'm really excited for us to look at Elizabeth and Zechariah because they gave birth to the way preparer. They prepared the way for the way preparer. And so for me, I'm like, they must have something we can learn from, something we can glean from them about what it looks like to prepare the way for Jesus to enter the world, what it looks like to prepare the way for Jesus to enter into people's lives. Um, and next week, we've got Jamie preaching. Woo-hoo. And uh, it's going to be exciting. He's going to look at Zechariah. Uh, But today, I'm going to look at Elizabeth. Now, I don't know if you know much about Elizabeth and and her part in the story leading up to Jesus' birth, Uh, but Elizabeth is an older woman, 
and uh, she has not been able to have a child for all of her life. She's been she's been barren. Uh, her husband Zechariah is a is a priest, um, and they've been like dedicated followers of God. Like, like they have lived their life in in obedience to Him, um, but they still had this 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 pain and this longing that that hasn't been able to be fulfilled. And then just before the bit I'm going to read, Zechariah has this divine interruption into his life and I always love this this moment because I love that God chose to so there's been 400 years up to this point roughly where God hasn't spoken to his people and this is his first moment when he chooses to, to speak again into people and and this is what he chose he he didn't immediately go to um, Jesus' mum, who was going to give birth, he spoke about preparing the way for Jesus. And I don't, honestly, there's so much mystery still I'm unraveling in this story that I don't have all the answers as to why. I can't fathom it sometimes, but I'm just like, there's something in that. And so God has spoken through his angel Gabriel to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, and told him, your wife is, is going to bear a child and you have to call him John and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. That's, that's going to be the call on his life. And Zechariah actually has as a moment of doubting. Um, as I'm sure you can understand, his wife's elderly, well, elder, yeah, I guess elderly, well, older, and has been barren for all these years and he, suddenly this angel's appeared and is like, hey, your wife's going to have a child. And it's like, what, really? And um, so the angel decides, which I think is also like, do you sometimes read the Bible and you're like, that's bizarre. Like, well, imagine if he did that now. Like, he, he makes Zechariah mute, but so he can't speak. Imagine if that was God's response every time you doubted him. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to mute you till you believe me. I'd be like, okay, how many of us would just be like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I, I was just like, that's just different. And so he, he, he meets Zechariah to say, um, to show him that his word is true and say that, that you will be able to speak again when this, when this comes to fruition in your life. And you do see later down the line that when Elizabeth gives birth to the baby, uh, he still can't speak. And it's not until the point that his wife then declares, yes, his name has to be John when they're trying to name him after his father because that was the tradition. And the wife intervenes like, no, God has said this, we have to say this that then he can finally speak again. So this is where Elizabeth is at. Uh, she's got a mute husband, <laughs> which I don't know how some wives in this room might feel. <laughs> you know, just a muted husband for nine months. I would hate it, darling. I would hate it if you were muted. I love that you can speak to me. So this is what Elizabeth has just been through, and Zechariah's come back, and... Uh, he's obviously, I mean, I presume we don't, we don't get told, but I presume he's somehow told her what's gone on, written it down to her. And then we join her story uh, in Luke 1 and verse 24. I'm just going to read that first, and then I'm going to skip to verse 39. And it says this in verse 24. So after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. Okay, so that's where we were. Elizabeth has conceived, and then for five months, she keeps herself hidden away, secluded away, not, not visiting anyone and, and not seeing anyone, but hidden away. And then we rejoin her story in verse 39. 
And it says this, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. So Mary has just had the visit from Angel Gabriel. And Angel Gabriel has encouraged her at the end of his visit that, look, go, go and see your, your relative Elizabeth has been able to bear a child even though she's older and has been barren for her whole life. Go and see. Because he's just told uh, Mary that she's going to be the, the mother of Jesus. And so she goes because she's, I would imagine, thinks, I must see this. This is going to help me. So she goes to see Elizabeth to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and she greeted Elizabeth. And here is when it gets interesting. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. We'll return to that. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I don't know how much you pondered that part of the Christmas story. Because for me, I was like, when I decided the, this was going to be what we were going to look at for this series, I was like, oh yeah, it's cool, you know, like Elizabeth, Zechariah, they, you know, they get a kid and, and he prepares the way for Jesus eventually when he grows up. And then as I started to like just spend time just reading and mulling over what Elizabeth said, how she responded, her words, what she did, I was like, this is actually remarkable. And there is actually so much that we can learn from this sister about preparing the way just through her attitude and her character that she displays and how she, she shows up in these moments, how she allows the divine to interrupt her, how she allows the divine to, to dictate her, her words, her actions, her response. She, she lays down in obedience to following the divine interruption that is, that is brought into her, li her life. Oh, sorry. And I want to remind you again, you know, if, if, you, if you believe in Jesus, if you follow him, if you believe in the Bible, you believe in this story, you believe it to be true, you believe it to have happened. Which means that you believe in the miraculous. If you believe in Jesus, you have, you're all in. You can't ever be 50%. Which means you believe in the miraculous. You believe that the miraculous can intervene. And we see this woman, Elizabeth, just abandon herself to the way of the divine. She, she just goes with it. There's, there's the, I don't see any questions from her. I don't see any pauses. I don't see any slow obedience 
or taking time to warm up, to think and wonder, oh, is that what really I should say? Or is this what I should really respond? It's immediate. The divine intervenes in her life and she goes with it. The divine intervenes in her life and she's like, yes. The divine intervenes in her life and she's like, well, of course. The divine intervenes and she says, yes, I will submit. And I want to, to encourage us again that through this, these acts of preparing the way of inviting people, I want us to have that same obedience. I want us to have that same deference to the divine. I don't want us to be doubtful. I don't want us to be slow in our obedience to when the divine wants to intervene. I want us to emulate Elizabeth in the way that we prepare the way for people. And so there's a few things I want to pick out from this passage that I think we can learn and, and just take hold of as we are the way preparers. Three things that I want to say that we will do that I think we can learn from Elizabeth and I think will help us to, to just expect more from when we step out and invite people to things. That it, it doesn't have to be just this awkward, sometimes it can be awkward, but it doesn't just have to be this awkward, normal, slightly boring handing out of a leaflet. Because you carry the divine. You carry the divine. You carry the divine within you. So when you arrive into a conversation, Christ arrives, the Holy Spirit arrives. It can be drenched in the miraculous when you have a conversation with someone. It can be drenched in it. It can be totally and utterly dictated and controlled by the Holy Spirit. But it takes us submitting to that to see that come to fruition in our lives. So if you want, if you want this mission of preparing the way through inviting people to the carol services to be drenched in miraculous, to be divine interventions, to not just be strenuous or, or like you're just doing a religious duty, if you want it to be that way, and I know I do, I know that's what I want to expect. I want to expect that God desires to intervene miraculously into my conversations with people because he divinely interrupts normal human beings all the time in the Bible. And we know stories of how he's done it in our lives and other people's lives in this room. So why not those people who don't know him yet? Why not them as well? Why can't he have divine control over a conversation we have with someone and speak through us? Why not? So these three things from Elizabeth, I love this woman, I really do, <laughs> that I want us to learn. The first thing, as way preparers, I want to say that we will prepare ourselves first. Prepare ourselves first. You see, the first verse I read in Luke 1.24 spoke about how she kept herself hidden for five months. Now, there's no written down reason for this. I can't tell you that I know the exact reason for why. But I want us to imagine for a moment what that would have been like. Five months hidden, secluded away from the world, with nothing but her muted husband and her miracle baby as company. Five months where the only thing around her 
were constant reminders of the divine intervention that had taken place in her life. She was hidden away with no other distractions. All that kept her company was her muted husband, which was a reminder of how the divine had intervened, and her miracle baby, which was a reminder of how the divine had intervened. Hidden with just that. No one to convince her, oh, that wasn't God that did that. Oh, there must be something else wrong with your husband. Maybe, maybe he's just got a sickness or something. No one else to explain away her miracle and put it down to just a normal occurrence of everyday life. No one to make her doubt. No one to make her feel silly about what God had done and how he had divinely intervened. No one to distract her from what God had done in her life. No one to explain away the miraculous in normal terms. Five months hidden where that was what surrounded her. And I just wonder that maybe there's something for us here in how much we need to prepare ourselves by taking time to be hidden with just focusing on how the divine has intervened in your life. Not asking questions. Not petitioning God all the time. Why haven't you done this? What about this? What about that? Just reminding ourselves of what God has done in our lives. Just surrounding yourself with that. I think it is crucial if we are to step out and prepare the way for others, we must prepare ourselves first. And I think there's a little gem from Elizabeth here. I'm not saying it has to be five months, because you'll miss Christmas if you hide yourself away for five months. But there's a gem from her here. There's an invitation from her here. Will you prepare yourself with the Lord before you even attempt to do any of his work? Will you hide yourself away with him to just remind yourself of what he's done in your life? Nothing more. To just tell him and thank him for all the times he's intervened and what he's changed in your life. We must prepare ourselves first. You see, because it does build your faith. It does build your faith. And actually, we'll see in a moment, Elizabeth had five months of of this seclusion, this hidden away. And when the first person comes to visit her, there is an eruption of faith that comes from Elizabeth's mouth. There is an eruption of spiritual knowledge and discernment that comes from her when she speaks to Mary. I'm not necessarily can conclude that there's a correlation because the Holy Spirit takes charge, but maybe, just maybe, that time being hidden away with her only reminders being the how God has intervened in her life prepared her for that moment of speaking to someone. Just maybe. So I want to encourage you, 
If you're going to prepare the way, please take time to prepare yourself first. Please build that within yourself. Because when you do and you remind yourself of how God has intervened and all the things that he has done, when you step into a conversation, that's what fuels it. That's what's at the forefront. So even if it feels awkward, even if they reject you, even if it goes bad, it doesn't dwindle your faith because you filled your faith tank up already by preparing yourself in private beforehand. So please, if you want to have divine interactions in this season, please prepare yourself first. I cannot uh, reiterate the importance of private devotion time with Jesus Christ hidden away with no distractions, nothing else going on in that time, but just you and Jesus. We must prepare ourselves. Next, as way preparers, we will follow the Holy Spirit. We will follow the Holy Spirit. You see, in Luke 1, 41 to 42, oh, I put my Bible down. It says this, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Did you see she was filled with the Holy Spirit and the immediate thing that came next was her exclaiming with a loud cry. Wasn't she was filled with the Holy Spirit and then she took a moment to wait and wonder and pause and whatever. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that with the Holy Spirit, but she was filled with the Spirit And then she exclaimed with a loud cry. She didn't doubt that the Holy Spirit had just moved in her. She didn't doubt that that is what had just happened. She spoke out about it. The filling of the Spirit preceded her speaking out. And she then follows the direction of the Holy Spirit. You see, I want to encourage us that if we are followers of Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit knows the way better than we do in these conversations with people. He knows the way better than we do. So if you are trying to do this without him, you're not going to get as far as if you partner with him when you step out and do this. Have you ever um, gone to to drive somewhere and you are 100% convinced that you know the best and fastest route to that place? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I feel like that was men that nodded. They were like, yes, of course. I know the fastest way, I know the best way that's going to get us there in the quickest amount of time and we'll be there, you know, it's, it's most economical and all that and we'll arrive and I know. But then have you ever had the moment on that journey where you hit traffic and uh, it wasn't the fastest route and uh, you thought you knew best and you were like, yes, this is the best way to get to this place. Uh, but then you hit traffic and uh, you maybe get slightly lost And you have to give in to the all-knowing and all-seeing sat-nav. And you have to turn to the sat-nav. And you have to go, yes, okay, sat-nav, you tell me the way I need to go. Because I am late and now I'm stuck and I actually don't know the way as well as I thought I did. Because you know what? Sat-nav has more knowledge than you do. It does. As much as we wouldn't like to admit it. Satnav knows more roads than you do. Satnav knows the way better than you do. Satnav knows if there's going to be traffic ahead and you don't because you can't peer out your window and look and see that far ahead. But the Satnav can pick it up in its m- wonderful ways. And yes, the Satnav sometimes does take you weird and wonderful routes because it's like, 
This is the shortest route mileage-wise, but I'm going to take you like through the countryside and you're going to go down all these random routes and you're like, where is it taking me? And sometimes you just have to trust that the sat is going to take you there. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, this really doesn't feel right and I've never been down this road before, but I'm going to a destination that's only like five minutes from my house, so I don't understand why I've never seen this part of the world before. And you're like, okay, sat I put my trust in you. You see, but the sat knows more than you do about the roads. And that's silly, but I want to use it to remind you that the Holy Spirit has knowledge that you don't. The Holy Spirit sometimes might take you some weird and wonderful ways in life, but it knows something that you don't. It knows something ahead that you don't know. It has knowledge that you don't have right now. And you see, because Elizabeth allowed the Holy Spirit to lead her, allowed the Holy Spirit to dictate her words, and she yielded to the way of the Holy Spirit, she was able to announce and proclaim that she knew that Mary was pregnant with Jesus, the Son of God, when no human being had told her, remember she'd been hidden, and Mary wouldn't have been visibly pregnant at this point in any way. Knowledge that you don't have. The Holy Spirit has knowledge about these people that you're going to invite that you don't have right now. He's going to be able to speak to you about words they might need to hear. You see, Mary visiting Elizabeth and Elizabeth saying these things to her built her faith as well. You see, if you read on, you can see this incredible song that Mary sings because it's born out of this moment where she's, someone's told her, confirmed to her what God has done in her life and what God has done for her. And she responds because she's so built up in faith from that. And there are these people in your world that you're going to speak to and invite. And if you would speak to the Holy Spirit about them, if you would listen to the Holy Spirit about them, if you would be obedient to the Holy Spirit in your conversations with them, you're going to have much more divine interactions with them than if you did it without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows more than you do about these people. Please don't do this preparing the way alone. Have a quick obedience to the Holy Spirit. And please, get to know the Holy Spirit's voice. Because you can't be obedient to him if you don't know his voice. And I just, I want to ask you, and I don't have anything further on that, but I want you to think about how are you doing with being led by the Holy Spirit in your life? How are you doing with knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit turned up in a conversation, would you recognize that? Are you taking time to build moments of listening to the Holy Spirit? Remember the hidden time? Are you taking those moments so that you can go in obedience when the Holy Spirit wants to intervene in a conversation? We have to follow the Holy Spirit when we have these conversations with people. And lastly, are you good? Is this helping you? Do you feel more prepared to prepare the way? <laughs> Uh, so as way preparers, we will prepare ourselves first, we'll follow the Holy Spirit, but we will also show that Jesus is our Lord. We will show that Jesus is our Lord to those that we will speak to. You see in Luke 1, 43 to 44, Elizabeth says this, she says, and why is this granted to me? 
that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. I don't know if you picked up on this, but Elizabeth called Jesus her Lord before he was even fully formed in her womb. He, he was at the beginning stages of conception in her womb. She hadn't even seen him as a baby in a manger like the shepherds do and the wise men do later down the line. She just got a revelation from the Lord and she trusted it and she submitted to him as her Lord before he was even fully formed in a womb. Do we, now having seen all that Jesus was going to do, now knowing the full story, now knowing the full story of salvation, knowing countless stories of his work in this room, can we openly express that Jesus is our Lord? Is that what we express in our lives to those people that we're going to invite? Do they know, can they tell that Jesus is Lord of your life? Not just your friend, not just your counsel, but the Lord of your life, the one you are submitted to, the one that you yield your words, your actions, your behaviors to, the one that you look to to show you how you should be acting and reacting in circumstances. Can people tell? Do you have an open expression of Jesus being the Lord of your life to the people around you? And there's something else Elizabeth does after she, she has this incredible moment of obedience in, in calling Jesus Lord when she can't even see him. She hasn't even known what he's going to do yet. Elizabeth then calls out what her Lord has caused to happen within her before he could even tell her or, or she could even see him. She, she says, when your greeting came, you, you caused the baby in my womb to leap for joy. Caused the baby in my womb to leap for joy. You see, she had an absolute obedience and submission to Christ being her Lord and a submission to his ways and a submission to the Holy Spirit that she could discern what a leap in her womb meant for her. How many of us would just have put that aside as just normal baby movement? How many of us could have just brushed that off as, oh, it's just the baby kicking? Because she had a submission to Jesus being our Lord, because she had a submission to the Holy Spirit, she could tell what it was that he had caused to happen within her, and she was confident to call that out. To say, no, this baby leapt for joy. This baby leapt in my room for joy. I know that because he heard the sound of his Lord's mother's voice. That's a whole other thing that I'm still unraveling and is so mysterious and wonderful. Go and ponder it. The, the, the voice of Jesus' mother firstly caused a filling of the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth. 
and next cause another unborn baby to leap for joy in a mother's womb. The way of the divine is beyond our understanding. It is beyond what we could ask or imagine sometimes. Who could ever have asked or imagined? Do you think Elizabeth asked or imagined that she'd have a moment where she knew the baby leapt in her womb for joy because her Lord's mother had visited her? No, you don't plan for that. You don't decide that. You allow the Lord to intervene in your life so you can have these stories. You submit yourself to Jesus as Lord. Our words and our actions express a submission to where we're at with Jesus. They just do. There's there's no way of getting around it. How you live your life is an expression of where you're at with Jesus. So our words and actions can express a submission to Jesus being the Lord of our lives. And they can act as a testimony to those who don't know Jesus, to those we're going to invite, that hey, this is actually worth laying your life down for. I see him as Lord. I believe if you choose to see him as Lord, that's going to completely transform your life. So we have to prepare the way by showing the world something different, by being different, by being all in, by demonstrating that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, not just the advisor of our lives, not just a counselor of our lives, not just a friend in our lives, but the Lord of our lives. If we're not all in, how can we expect to invite someone else to be? If Jesus is not truly, if we are not truly submitted to Christ as our Lord, how can we invite someone else to be? So those are the three things I want us to take hold of and say that as way preparers, we will prepare, hang on, As way preparers, we will uh, prepare ourselves first before we step out. We will follow the Holy Spirit and we will demonstrate that Jesus is the Lord of our lives so that we demonstrate to others that this is something significant and important. It is not an add-on to our lives. It is everything. We are all in. And I want to just share one final story with you to just, I hope, just inspire you to showing how following the Holy Spirit and showing that you truly believe and live your life, that Jesus is, like Jesus is the Lord of your life, that that does make a difference. And this isn't to, you know, congratulate myself or big myself up. I just want to encourage you. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Liam and I were uh, leaving St. Peter's Hospital uh, after visiting Mel, who had been in hospital there. And we were... Um, approaching the car park to get our car. And this woman was standing on this mini roundabout near the car park. And she called out to us. She said, excuse me, can you help me? And I just immediately went over and we were like, yeah, of course. And as we went over, I could see that in her arm was where a a drip from the hospital should be. Um, She had a water bottle with her that, that looked like there was alcohol in it. And you could just tell that she wasn't in a good place or in a good way. And we, she was like, can you help me? I, I don't know where I'm meant to be. She was so lost, confused. Could barely remember what her name was um, and didn't know how to get back to the hospital. And so we started walking her back to reception to help her find out where to go. And 
And then Liam went to, to get the car because our car parking was going to run out. So I carried on walking with her. And as I was walking with her, she just told me about what was going on in her life. And I don't need to tell you the details, but it had been rough. And it had been painful. It, you can imagine to be in that kind of situation where you're, you've discharged yourself from hospital because you needed to go get some alcohol because that was going to help you get through this moment of life. You're in a bad way. And, and she had experienced some deep and severe pain in her life. And, and she had gone through a lot. And, you know, that she'd had a, a big episode of, of drinking which had led to this moment of her being admitted to hospital. And I'm walking this woman back to reception and I'm hearing all she's saying and we're getting closer and I hear this, this stirring in me. I can't leave her like this. She's just told me all of this. I can't just leave her to go back into the hospital like that, the Holy Spirit begins to prompt because I have spent time learning to hear his voice so I know when he wants to divinely intervene. And sometimes I'm not always obedient because it's scary and I know that. But trust me, there's always goodness on the other side of it. And so I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to leave her with something more than she's experienced so far in life. And I stopped her in the foyer of the reception. And I was like, look, I, I need to do something before you go back in. I can't fix your life. I wish I could. I, I, I can't fix what's happening right now. But I need you to know that I believe in Jesus. And, and I believe in Jesus as my Lord. And I remember saying those words. I remember saying, I believe in Jesus, my Lord. I believe that Jesus can transform your life. I know he can because he's done it for me. And I said to her, I was like, this, this might be a little bit strange, but can I pray for you before you go back in? Remember, this isn't me. As a human being, you wouldn't choose to interact with someone and, and, and do that moment when people are walking by, when it could be embarrassing, where people can hear you, where they're looking at you, staring at you. In my human flesh, in my human strength, I wouldn't do that. Let's be real. But when you defer to the Holy Spirit and you follow him, divine interaction will happen. And you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. And so I prayed for her. And I, and I prayed for what was going on in her life. And I spoke about Jesus with her. And she just stood there and cried. And she just stood there and cried. And, and she said this line to me. And I didn't end up leading her to Christ or anything like that. And she said this line to me. She said, I honestly thought I would die today. But because I've seen you, I think differently. Just follow the Holy Spirit. There are people waiting for you to do that. There are people in desperate need of you just laying yourself down and being obedient 
to the Holy Spirit and Jesus being the Lord of your life. There are people waiting, just waiting for you to get on this mission and get going. And, and that woman hasn't given her life to Jesus, but I gave her my number and she's been messaging me. And she messaged me and told me that she's been 12 days sober so far. And she hadn't made it to church yet, but do you know what? When I invited her, she messaged me to let me know that she couldn't make it and why she couldn't. And I was like, normal churchgoers don't even do that, but you haven't been to church yet. Because she's seen something. Not me. It wasn't me. She didn't see Emily. She didn't see Emily's strength. She didn't see Emily's goodness. She saw the Holy Spirit and she saw Jesus. And people are waiting for you to do that in this season. Now, we're going to help you to do that practically uh, by inviting people to our Christmas carol service and believe that that could be their moment. Maybe you've knocked at the door 5, 10, 15, 20 times. Maybe this time it will be their moment. And there's a table at the back. And uh, through some interesting administrative uh, errors, let's just say, that happen, we received another order of our flow cups. Um, don't quite know how, well we do, we figured it out, but it was a bit weird how as to why. But anyway, we thought we'd use it for good. Um, and we also ordered the leaflets for our Christmas carol services. Uh, the printers sent us not the right ones. Um, so again, woohoo! <laughs> but hey, we took it, we used it for good. Nothing's going to stop us. Uh, so what we have done is we have uh, rolled up these leaflets and done a little nice bow and tie around them. And we popped six of them in each of the cups at the back. And we want you to, to take, there's only 50 of them, uh, so maybe you should do one each. Not all of you are going to be able to take one, but there's leaflets that you can take and we'll have new leaflets next Sunday. And I want you to use the flow cup to invite someone to the carol services. I want you to use it as a conversation starter. Say, hey, I wanted to give you this gift. Maybe you could put like their favorite tea bag in it or something like that or a sachet of their favorite coffee. I don't know. Get creative. Remember, this doesn't have to be a boring mission we're going on. It's fun. Let's have joy on this mission together. So I want you to take and use one of these cups to invite someone to our Flow Church Christmas Carol services. Is that good? Are you going to do that? Yes, you can, these can be, these are free for you to take. If you would like to make a contribution, obviously you are more than welcome, but you don't have to. Uh, we just wanted to use this as a way to help activate you in preparing the way, to help activate you in, in having these conversations and inviting people so that maybe, just maybe, on the 22nd of December at either 11 a.m. or 4 p.m., that person in your life will give their life to Jesus Christ and their life will be transformed forever. That's what we're hoping for. Let me pray for you uh, before we close and get going to baptism. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for who you are. Jesus, thank you that you are Lord. Thank you that you divinely intervene in our everyday lives. And we as a Flow family say to you today that we will be available for your mission. We will be available for you to use to divinely intervene in people's lives around us. We will, we will follow the Holy Spirit. We will prepare ourselves 
we will live a life that demonstrates that Jesus is the Lord of our lives so that maybe, just maybe, you'll use us to divinely intervene in someone's life so that they receive you as their Lord and Savior into it. Lord, we offer you this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your church, and I thank you for this family of believers who are going to go on a mission together to prepare the way for others who don't know you yet. Would you bless their week? Would you bless their efforts in doing that? And bless their conversations that are ahead for them this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So see you at Jade's house. Again, if you need the address for that, go to the info point. And if you need to get or want to get baptized and you have been, remember, come talk to Liam or I. If not, see you at Jade's house.